That is, the early church figured out very early, in order to survive persecution, there was two necessary ingredients. We'll not see them tonight. We'll begin on that next week. But what we'll see in next week's message and the week following is that the two ingredients that were necessary to survive persecution are prayer and fellowship. Prayer and fellowship. Now, to say something to you tonight, I'm not going to be at all surprised. I'm no prophet, but I can see what's happening. I'm not going to be at all surprised if the church isn't uh, about to head into a time of persecution. I'm praying for Jesus to come. I want to get out of this mess. If time lasts, now listen to me, church. If time lasts, I believe the church is headed for a time of persecution. And there's only two things that will get the church through a persecution. And that is prayer, trusting in God. And that is fellowship, leaning on one another. I believe those two things are pivotal to make for the church to make it through uh, persecution. And we're going to see that's what the early church did. Uh, tonight is going to be the beginning of the first persecution. Now let me set the stage. Do you remember where we were? It's been a week or two. That blind or that halt man, that man that couldn't walk, laid up at the gate called Beautiful up at the temple. And Peter and John have come up at the hour of prayer. They've healed this, uh, God's healed this man. He's got up leaping, come into the temple leaping and praising God, singing praises to the Lord. They started to want to worship Peter and John, but Peter broke loose on a message about the Lord Jesus Christ. In the last sermon that I preached on Wednesday night, we talked about that message. We pick up our thought here in chapter uh, 4 and verse 1. The Bible said, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in the hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men were about 5,000. And, and it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and rulers of Israel, if we this day be examined for the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto y'all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye have crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before thee whole. This is the stone which was set at naught by the builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. 
For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside and out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, What shall we do with these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but that it is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in his name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how that they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Let's pray together. Father, I pray, Lord, uh, this evening in Jesus' name, God, that you're touching the service tonight. Lord, it's been a great week. We thank you, Lord, for saving little Allie. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. Lord, we know, God, that uh, when it don't seem like anything's happening, you're doing stuff. And so I just pray tonight, Lord, that you'd move in our midst. I pray that every person in this building would have been better off because they came to church tonight. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We'll talk a little tonight, preach a little, on the church's first persecution. And... Uh, let me just point out, first of all, the opposition. Now, I'm going to say this right from the start. You'll never do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ that goes easy. There is always a persecution that comes. I'm going to, I'm going to say this, and I want you to think about it. I've been thinking on it this week, and I, I never really had considered it this way before. There's a broad road that leads to hell that the multitude is on. There's a narrow road that leads to heaven that the few are on. Now, I've always thought about it this way. There's this broad road, and then there's this little narrow road that you can take. But that's not really how, that's not really how it happens. You see, in order to uh, take the narrow road, you've got to make a 180 turn and go the opposite direction. So in reality... The narrow road runs in the middle of the broad road, but it runs the other way. It's going the opposite direction. You know why it's hard to live the Christian life? It's because the majority of people are coming this way on the broad road, and you're on the narrow road headed the other direction, and you're going against the grain. That's exactly what Peter and John are about to find out. This way that they have started on in serving Christ, is against, the, is against the mainstream. They're having to swim upstream. They're having to push against. And so they're going to be fighting. They're going to be fighting the stream, and we're going to see that opposition is going to come. Now, I'm going to guarantee you one thing. If you live godly in Christ Jesus, ye shall suffer persecution. 
somehow over the years, we've gotten our minds that if you serve God, everything's just going to be great and it's going to be flowers and there's going to be no trouble. But I'm going to tell you, serving God ain't easy. Serving God involves uh, troubles and trials and all of it because you're going against the stream. And so there is this opposition that comes in. Uh, uh, as soon as God's crowd moves forward, uh, the devil's crowd uh, begins to get in gear. Now look at who it is that's opposing them. Is it the drug addicts? No. Is it the, the crowd down at the bar? No. Uh, is it the gutter drugs? No. Uh, it's the religious elite of that day. It's the Sadducees. Of course, we know the Sadducees were a political sect. They were very closely tied to the great high priest and the royal priesthood. Uh, and uh, they were very liberal in their beliefs. They didn't believe in the resurrection. It was the chief priest. Uh, when we think about an, an Annas and uh, uh, Caiaphas and how that they were the very birds that had the Lord Jesus Christ crucified. And that we'll see tonight, it, it becomes a family affair. Uh, of course, Annas, Caiaphas was Annas's uh, son-in-law. And uh, the, all, when they have the trial, this kangaroo court here in a little while, all of, the, uh, all of uh, uh, Annas's family show up. They get the Sanhedrin together. Uh, and we find that they lay hold on uh, John and Peter. Now notice what the Bible said there in verse 2. The Bible said, being grieved that the people, uh, that they taught the people and preached that through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. That word grieved literally means it pained them to hear it. And so when they heard John and Peter preaching and they heard that name Jesus, they said, oh, that hurts. Oh, we don't like that. Oh, don't talk about Jesus. Now, I'm here to tell you tonight, friend, you can get up and talk about every religion in the world. If you're talking about Muhammad, they'll, they, the world will say that's okay. I mean, the Muslims can fly uh, airplanes into buildings and all kinds of things. They'll say it's okay. We need to accept them and be accepting. Uh, but you let a man get up and go to preaching out of the Bible and talking about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and his saving grace and knowledge. Uh, I'm telling you that this world goes, uh, oh, oh, that hurts. Oh, we can't stand it. Uh, oh, that's a killing us. Uh, that's exactly what happened right here. They said, boy, that's a, that hurts. It grieves us to hear that kind of preaching. And so there was the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And there was this opposition uh, of the ruling class of Israel. So we see the opposition. Now notice the operation. You know what they did? They laid hands on them. Up until now, since the crucifixion of Christ, all of the persecution had been verbal. Oh, you needn't, you needn't to do that. It had been a verbal persecution. But now they have had all they can stand. Now listen to me. This evil world, when you push them, when you, they'll, they'll take it so long, but there'll come a time when they feel like they have got to lay hands on the Christians. That's going to happen. You say, oh, that's not going to happen in Burnsville. Let me tell you something. Right now in Portland, Oregon, just a few hundred miles from where I was last week, 
They, in the streets this last week, they, down at a, a, a city park, they were having Christians were going to gather together. And it's called uh, Let Us Worship. It was a Let Us Worship event. They were going to gather together, and they had allowed uh, some PA systems set up. And that bunch from Antifa came in there, and they took those speakers down. They sprayed them Christians with pepper spray. When they tried to stop the Antifa from taking the speakers down, they shoved them to the ground, took them speakers and carried them across the park, throwed them in the river. The police in Portland sat in their cars. They didn't, they didn't lift a finger to help those Christians. And uh, it, it, what ensued was kindly a riot. It's still going on between them proud boys and that Antifa bunch. They're shooting fireworks at one another and whatnot. But I'm here to tell you that that's right here in the United States of America. Just last week at the Crafts Fair, there were some preachers, not from this county, some preachers from another county. They were there at the Crafts Fair holding signs. Some of them were preaching. There's a lady that owns a, a shop right there in Burnsville. When she heard that preaching, she came out and was irate, uh, yelling and screaming at them, carrying a sign. Uh, squalling all kinds of things, getting in their face. And she made the statement. She said, next year I'll see to it that the church of Satan is up here on the square preaching during the crash fire. That's in Burnsville, North Carolina. I'm telling you, it's time the church get their head out of the sand. It's not like it used to be. Persecution is around the corner. And I believe if time lasts, we're going to see things that we never would have dreamed we'd ever have seen right here in Burnsville, North Carolina. And I believe we can get in some instruction here from Acts chapter number four on how to handle that. And so there's this operation. They lay hands on them. They throw them in the hold. That means they put them in a guard. They, they, they throw them in the hold. They put them in a guard and they keep them overnight locked up on trumped up charges. Then the next day they gather the Sanhedrin all of the high priests and the captains, and they set them out, and they begin to interrogate them. They want them to. They want to. They they're gonna threaten them. Uh, they're gonna try to. Uh, they're gonna try to get them uh, to where they want any more preach in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now notice what they said in verse six. They said, "In Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem." And when they set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? What now notice how that, what they said. By what power or by what name have you done this? Notice they failed in front of the people to call it a miracle. Now, a little later when they're in private deliberations, they call it a miracle. They knew what it was. It was a miracle, but they didn't want the people to think that. That's how committed the world's crowd is to being against God. Even when there's an obvious miracle, in order to keep it from spreading, they'll call it anything else but call it a miracle. They said, well, how did you do this? That's the question. So they've got these men. They've arraigned them in. The, 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 there's this whole process, uh, there's this whole operation that is going on. They're trying to threaten them. But can I give you good news tonight? While the world's crowd is a working uh, somewhere in heaven, there's a God on the throne uh, 
Amen. And even though it might have seemed like the world's crowd was winning, can I remind you what verse 4 said? Verse 4 said, How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men were about 5,000. Can I say to you tonight that none of that persecution caught God off guard, and none of it limited his power. Hey, while the devil was a-fighting, God was a-winning 5,000 souls. How can I say to you tonight? I know the devil's fighting. I know it looks looks bleak and it looks grim. But can I report to you tonight? There's still a God on the throne. He's still in charge. He's still doing the work. He's still saving sinners. He's still moving. Amen. Don't get get down in the house and get in a feeling like God died and we're at his funeral, honey. He's still on the throne, still in charge. Amen. Everything's going to be all right. There was an operation. But then we see in these verses an outpouring. Look what the Bible said. Verse number eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers and people of it, and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined for the good deed done to this infinite man by means he's made whole, be it known unto you all, And all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Can this be the same Peter? The same one that on the night of the crucifixion ran into the darkness, swearing that he didn't know the Lord. Now he's got his bony finger run out in their faces. And he said, you're the ones that crucified him. And the very thing the Sadducees wanted them to hush about, and that was the resurrection of the dead. You know what he said? He said, God hath raised him from the dead. How in the world did Peter suddenly become so bold? He became bold by that phrase, and Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I report to you tonight, church? As we face persecution, our power is not in politics. Our power is not in picket lines. Our power is not in money or influence. Our power is in the Holy Ghost of God. And he has not lost one iota of power, my friend, since Acts chapter number four. And what I'm praying is that during these days, Christians would become more and more bold to stand for their faith through and by the power of the Holy Ghost of God. It's no time for us to run and hide. It's no time to run up the white flag of surrender. But instead tonight, it's time for Christians to boldly stand. You say they may throw us in jail, preacher. Let them throw us in jail. We'll preach in the jail. You say, preacher, it might cost us financially. Hey, that's just pictures of dead presidents. Anyhow, I I mean, really, what's your money worth? Amen. Hey, it's time for God's people to stand. How many of you would agree with me on that? It's time to have some boldness. But the only way we can have boldness is through and by the feeling of the Holy Ghost of God. Boy, I've been praying today, God, fill me up. 
I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I I want that boldness that comes from being touched by the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. We are in desperate need of an infilling of the Holy Spirit in these days to embolden Christians to stand again. We see the operation. We see the outpouring. Now, when Peter began to preach, the first thing he did was expose their past. He said, y'all crucified him. Oh, don't you know that really hurt. Y'all have crucified the Lord of glory. He preached to them and exposed their past. And then look at verse 9. He, ex- he, examined their, he examined their present. Look what he said. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he's made all. Look what he said. Peter said, are we being brought up here on trial because we committed murder? No. Are we being brought up here on trial because we robbed a bank? No. Are we being brought up here on trial because we blasphemed God? No. We're being put on trial because we did a good deed. Now let that sink in. We did a good deed and we're being put on trial for it. See, that's the way the devil's crowd operates. They don't like good deeds, amen. And so he he began to expose them. He examined their past. And then uh, then he exposed their present. But then in verses 11 and 12, he explains their problem. Look what he said. This is the stone which was set at naught of you, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter said, let me tell you what your problem is. You got faith in the wrong thing. You got faith in Caiaphas and the high priest. You got faith in Annas. You got faith in the rituals. You've got faith in all this religious process. But I'm going to tell you there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Boy, don't you love Peter's preaching. Hey, he wasn't, he wasn't bashful, ran right straight to the Calvary, ran right straight to Jesus. He told that crowd, uh, he said, well, your problem is you don't believe in the right thing. Uh, uh, your problem is there's a man named Jesus. He bled and died. You crucified him. And it's by him only that you can be saved. He did that under the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said, when the Spirit is come, He will testify of me. Amen. So then there is this outpouring. He's filled to the brim. Now watch this. Then there is what I would call the obvious. Look at verse 14. And beholding the man which was him. Oh, can I say this real quick while it just come to my mind? What Peter did there was a fulfillment of their Lord's promise. You know what the Lord said? He said, there's going to come a time, men, he's addressing them. He said, there's going to come a time when they're going to call you up in front of the, uh, they're going to call you up in front of the magistrates. They're going to call you up in front of the judges. He said, don't even think about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the, er, the words of utterance. Boy, now that promise is being fulfilled. Oh, my goodness. Now watch this, what we call the obvious. It said in verse number 14, behold, the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Why? Look what they said in verse 16, saying, what shall we do to these men? For they indeed are, did a, they, for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. 
It was the obvious. This man had sat at the, at the gate of the temple all them years, 40 years, not able to get up, and now he's standing with the rest. That's obvious. Now I got a question for you. Why didn't that bunch just get saved? Why don't you just look at that fella and go, well, <laughs> you know, he, he sat at the gate for 40 years and now he's walking. They got to be something to what these fellas are saying. I mean, obviously, there's something to this. Look at this fellow. But instead, they just got madder and madder. Why? I, I was thinking about that today, Brother Marvin. Why didn't that bunch go, you know what? There's something to this. Our religious rituals, they ain't getting it done, but look what this is. This is real. The only thing I can figure is that apparently a man can get so deep in religion that, and so blinded that even a miracle won't change his mind. Isn't that a shame? People get so deep in religion, even a miracle wouldn't change their mind. So we see the obvious. Then let me point this out to you, and I'm going to be done. Look at their out. They said in verse 17, but that it is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they henceforth, that they speak henceforth to no man in his name. As I tell us to do. They did what all good politicians do. They looked for an out. They said, here's our out. We really can't do anything to these fellows, but we can threaten them. So they bring them in. They said, now, listen here. This is how it's going to be. This is our mandate. This is our orders. This is what, does that sound familiar? We're gonna, this is our threat right here. Now, you better, bless goodness, do what we say. You listen here. Don't speak anymore in his name. You all hush that Jesus mess. We ain't going to put up with that. Threaten them. We just give them a good. We give them a good. We give them a good talking to. Look what he said. But Peter and John answered. I'm verse 19 and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Peter said, Y'all think you got more authority than God? Is that really what you think? You think you can tell us not to do what God is telling us to do? Hog wash. Hog wash. I'm going to tell you something. Back last year, all of that can't meet in church. We went out in the parking lot. We tried to be good citizens and had parking lot church and all like that. As soon as they said, well, I can, you know, that we won that court case, we come right back inside. But Here's what I'm going to say, church. Now, listen to me. If we ever go back out in that parking lot, it'll be because I decided to, and that we decided that's what the church wanted to do, not because Roy Cooper or anybody else told us that was what we had to do. I, now, listen to me. There comes a time where you draw the line. Now, if, if, it's my, if it's our decision to do it, that's one thing. You know, If we decide we've got got cases in the church or whatever, and we decide to go out there for a week, that's our decision. That's, that's one thing. But I ain't being told no more. So let me tell you something. At some point, you've got to look at it and say, listen here, this is God's business. And I believe in keeping the laws of the land. Lord have mercy, I've enforced them all these years. I believe in keeping the laws of the land, do what's right. But when it comes to being something that's anti-God, then it no that no longer, it no longer belongs. This message will never make it on Facebook. They, they probably done took it down. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just telling you, 
you got to get to a place where you say, you know what, nothing thinks enough. We won't try to be right. We won't try to do right. We won't try to abide by the law. All those things will be respectful to our, to our leaders. All those, I believe that. But at the same time, there comes a time when we say, you know what, we're going to listen to God and not listen. That's exactly what Peter and John said. said Are y'all? They looked at that Sanhedrin and said, really? You're God now? You can tell us who we can speak to, uh, what name we can speak in. Watch what they say. I love their answer right here. Look what, look what Peter said. And Peter said to them there in verse number 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Peter said, let me tell you what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the things we've seen and heard. And you know what that is? Jesus saves <laughs> Jesus saves. Well, that wasn't the answer they wanted to hear, was it? Oh, no. Look what they did in verse 21. For when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how that they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. In the end, listen to me right here. In the end, religion only cares about public opinion. And they said, my goodness, this crowd's going to lynch us if we do anything else to these men. So they brought them back in and they threatened them one more good time. They made a bunch of threats. They said, listen, if you do this, I'm telling you, there's going to be a price to pay. You better hear us. You better walk a line, do what we say, bless goodness. And then they let them go. Now what they're going to do is they're going to leave that place and they're going to go back to the church. In the rest of this chapter, we're going to study. The rest of this chapter, the church is working on being together and praying. That's the results of persecution on the church. The church came together and prayed. I'm going to make a statement right here. I've watched it over the last, over the last two years. All of this has happened, all this COVID, and all this... You say, Pritchard, you do not believe it's real. Give me a break. Rachel almost died from it. I understand. Believe me, there's nobody on this planet that understands any more the reality of COVID. I watched it, and I, have, I lived it, okay? I lived it. I understand. But what I'm talking about is all of the political hay that has been made out of it. You hear what I'm saying? All that political hay that's been made out of it. And the, 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 the attention that has been turned on the church like that was the only place you could catch it. Can't get it at Walmart. You can't get it nowhere, but you get it at the church. That's the only place you can get it. And so all of that, I've seen all of that happen. I'm going to tell you what I've seen. It's just, it's, just, it's just Bradley. And I talk to a lot of preachers. In the way. They don't tell me how many preachers I've talked to today. Here's what I've seen happen to the church world as a whole. Instead of the church rallying together, We've allowed that to splinter and cause problems and people have this opinion and people have that opinion and there's a fuss and a fight about it. And instead of the church as a whole, as a church world coming together and saying let's be of one mind and one accord and pray and get a hold of God, I believe that, the, I believe that churches by and large are the least spiritual they've ever been. And that's a shame because if persecution is coming, the only way we'll survive it is by coming together and praying coming together and pray. It's the only way we'll survive it is to come together and pray. Lean on God 
and lean on one another. I'll show you next week that that's exactly what the early church did. They bound together and they called on God. It's untelling the power source, the untapped power source that we have at our disposal if we would simply come together and call on God. It's a new, I mean, the nuclear bomb can't touch the power source that you and I have. We come together and call on God. I'm going to tell you something. Persecution has never destroyed the church. The church always comes out stronger after persecution. Always. Because it drives them together and they go to pray. I hope and pray that if we're on the preface of more persecution, that that's what it will do to the church, is that they'll be driven together and call on God. These boys, they didn't back down, did they? Filled with the Holy Ghost. And look what they said. Oh, I can't, I can't, I've got to mention this verse. I've got to mention this verse. Look what they said there in uh, verse number 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Hmm. Boy, something different about these boys. Somebody piped up and said, I know what it is. That's the two that followed him. That's the two that followed him into the high priest's house that night. Now, that one run off and the other one stayed. But they've been with Jesus. The greatest thing that this world could ever say about us is that's that crowd that runs with Jesus. That's that crowd that's been with Jesus. I, I can tell you that that's that crowd that's been with Jesus. It's the greatest thing that could possibly be said about any of us is that we've been with the Lord. Let's stand together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you tonight, Lord, that even though when it looks bleak and dark and dismal, we know that you're working. Lord, help us to be filled with the Spirit. Help us to be bold. Help us to stand. Help us to always proclaim the truth. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us to look toward heaven. And God, as persecution comes, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to come together in one mind, one accord, and call on heaven. Because that's the only way we'll make it through. I pray, God, that you'd help us as we study through Acts 4. I just feel like you've got us in this place right now, Lord, to teach us some lessons about persecution that's on the horizon. And I pray, Lord, that we'd learn those lessons because it'd be a lot easier on us if we learned these lessons from the early church. I pray, God, that you'd help us tonight. We'll thank you and praise you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Anybody got a word? Anything you want to say or do? Are you glad you're saved? Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to be dismissed. I want you to be here Sunday. Bring somebody with you. I was talking to a man today. He says, come to church Sunday. I hope that he, I hope that he keeps that on his mind. does. As I go winding my way to glory land, the home of the soul, my life is filled with sorrow where I roam. Hurry.